let's stand up again. Let's go through the first 10 confessions. Go ahead, stand up. We're going to go through the first 10 confessions of who we are in Christ. And let's, uh, you guys ready to roll? Ready to do this this morning? All right. All right. Number one, repeat. Yeah, go, come with me. I am fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. Number two, I act in audacious faith to change the world in my generation. Number three, I have no fear or anxiety. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Number four, I am able to fulfill the calling God has placed on my life. Okay, you guys are trailing off on me. All right, let's pick it back up. Number five, I am fully resourced to do everything God has called me to do. Number six, I have no insecurity because I see myself the way God sees me. Number seven, I am a faithful spouse and a godly parent. Our family is blessed. Number eight, I am completely whole physically, mentally, and emotionally. Number nine, I am increasing in influence and favor for the kingdom of God. Number 10, I am enabled to walk in the sacrificial love of Christ. All right, you guys can be seated. We're going to finish this up today. I'm super excited because number 11 and number 12 are so big. And, and I get um, the first one right out of the gate. I just want to share with you the first one right out of the gate. People, A lot of people come to me, and I just want to say that you don't have to always come to the preacher because you have a connection too. I don't know if you know that, but if you're a child of God, you have the same connection I have. Right? You have the Holy, same Holy Spirit I have. Okay? And so I want to I wanna share with you the story. There was this older gentleman, and he was retired, and so he, he enjoyed the benefits of retirement by sleeping in. Well, these kids would walk to school every morning, and they would go along, and they would, they would just clang the sticks on the metal trash cans, and they'd wake him up. And he got so irritated. So he went to the Lord in prayer, and he said, what should I do about this, Lord? Give me wisdom. How many of you ever prayed, asked for wisdom like this? I want to beat these kids so bad. Lord, help me in Jesus' name. Joey, put your hand down. You don't have kids. <laughs> Love you, man. And so God gave him a great idea. He stopped the kids one morning. He got up and he waited for them. And as they came by with their sticks, he said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay each of you five bucks to come by these trash cans and whack them every morning. I'm going to give you five bucks. You just keep whacking these trash cans for five bucks. Every morning, they'd run by, clank, 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 five dollars. Next week, he says, I tell you what, you guys are breaking me. I'm going to lower it to $2.50. Clank, 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 $2.50. He goes, you know what, you guys, you guys are breaking me, so I'm going to lower it to $1.25. And he did it every week. He, every week he lowered it until by the time he got down to like 50 cents, they all quit. And now he's sleeping in. You see, when we need wisdom, the Holy Spirit says that we can pray and ask for it, and he will give it to us. Oh, he could have got mad. He could have said, stop it. You can't be doing that. You're ruining my sleep and all this stuff. And he could have called the police. Hey, these kids are coming by. Make them stop. No, he said, you know what, God? I need some wisdom. So I'm going to pay them to beat the trash cans. And then I'm slowly going to take money away each week until it's no longer fun for them because they're not getting paid to do it. And so confession number 11 is this. 
I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. You guys want to say that with me on the count of three? One, two, three. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. Turn to your neighbor and say, I knew you were smart. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm smart. (laughs) All right. So where does wisdom come from? Well, the Bible tells us uh, in the New Contemporary Version, it says this. Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord, and those who obey his orders have good understanding. He should be praised forever. Where does wisdom start? The Bible tells us that it starts with respect. Respect for God and his word are the beginning of wisdom. You start, you start to grow in wisdom as you begin to respect God, respect his commandments, and begin to follow him. The Bible says then that wisdom begins to come. It, become, it begins to grow in your life. And so the first thing that we do is that we begin to respect God and his word. What does the Bible tell us to do? Are you doing it? Are you following it? Or are you at least praying and asking God to give you the ability and the desire to do it? Are you at least taking a first step, right? There's a Chinese proverb that, that says, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Are you taking the first step in your prayer life? God, give me the desire to do your will. God, give me uh, the passion to follow you the way that I should, and so on. In Proverbs chapter 2, King Solomon says in chapter 2, verses 2 through 6, turning your, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Now listen to this last part. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. What does he say? Well, he says that you have to first, you have to search for it. In other words, wisdom just doesn't come. Now, it does say that God gives it, but you have to search for it. One of the things that my boys loved to play when they were younger was hide the thimble. How many of you ever played hide the thimble, right? And it wasn't really a thimble. It was like some little thing, whatever we could find in the house, right? And I'd say, and they go hide in the back of the house, and then I'd hide it in the living room, and they'd come out and say, can you find it? And you're cold, you're hot, you know, you're on fire, you're warm. And they'd search all over the living room or the kitchen or whatever for it. And it was fun, and they enjoyed it. You have to, now I'm going to give it to them, I'm giving them clues and I'm helping them to find it, but I want them to take the initiative. The same is true of God and his wisdom. God, I want to search out your wisdom. I want to know your ways. I'm going to start searching for it. And as we search for it, God begins to lay it on us. He begins to give it to us. The word wisdom here in this passage, it means insight, insight into, and the the definition is pretty broad, but it means insight into administrative issues, Religious issues, ethical and moral issues. It says that the word of God, that when we search it out, will begin to give us insight into administrative, religious, ethical, and moral issues. 
Wow. Want to know how to run your business? Right here. Want to know you got an ethical dilemma? Right here. You got an administrative problem in your marriage, right? Who's taking care of this? Who's doing that? Right here. It's all here. He just says, I need you to search it out, and then I will begin to give it. You got to show me that you want it. Show me that you want it, and I'll begin to pour it out to you, right? Then he says this. He says, he closes up this proverb, Solomon does, with, he says, knowledge and understanding. Knowledge and understanding. They're two separate things. Knowledge here in the Hebrew means perception. Perception. You kind of perceive something, something's not right or something is right. I can't put my finger up, but, but I have some perception, right? It's like when you're out past curfew and mama knows, right? Man, I, I love my mom. She's an amazing woman, but I hated her perception. <laughs> you know, listen, let me just tell all you teenagers and all you kids right now, you got a mama that can hear from God, you're not going to get away with anything. God will tell her stuff. You were here, here doing this. How do you know that? Because back in the day, we didn't have cell phones. She couldn't trace me. She didn't know where I was, but she knew what I was doing. How did you know that? I've been in prayer the whole time you've been gone. God told me. I'm telling you, I, <laughs> I lived my teenage years scared of my mama and God. As I knew, I wasn't getting away with stuff. I just knew it. And so perception, right, I can perceive. The word understanding means intelligence, you're just flat out intelligent. So not only can I perceive something's going on, now I have the intelligence to understand how to handle it. And Solomon says that when we get with God and we begin to work with God, not only will he allow you to perceive things in your business and on the job and in your family, but he will give you, he will give you the understanding and the intelligence of how to manage that and how to handle that situation. Right? Isn't there, isn't there a song? I think there's a, I think there's a church song somebody should write, right? It's, I take all my needs to him, everything to God in prayer. Does that sound familiar? Oh, oh what needless pains we often forfeit, right? We take everything to him in prayer. All right, I might have botched the words up a little bit. But you get the idea that, that when we take our stuff to God, he begins to prov- provide. There's going to come times in our lives when you're going to need the wisdom of God. Oh, you think, you think it's tough when your toddler like, just suddenly disappears? There, there is nothing faster in the world than a toddler who has something they shouldn't have. Right? <laughs> just, it's true. Right? All of a sudden, it goes quiet in the backside of the house. You better get back there, right? You know what's worse? Wait till they hit about seventh grade, and then craziness ensues, right? You're going to need some wisdom when that happens. You're going to need, listen, you can have your toddler. In fact, I tell you what, you take my junior high kid, I'll take your toddler every day of the week. Any, thank you. Any day. Some of you young parents, I'm telling you, you ain't tasted anything. You remember how you were in junior high? <laughs> it's coming, double dose. Right? 
Why are the teenagers laughing? Because <laughs> you're like, yeah, I did it to mom and dad. Right? I'm doing it right now to mom and dad, and I can laugh about it in church because they can't bust my chops. That's why you're laughing, isn't it? All right. Well, you can't come over to my house and be safe. But the process of getting wisdom spiritually is twofold. Number one, respect God and his precepts. Respect God and his laws and his ideas. That's where it starts. That's where it starts. You have to respect God and his word and his ideas and his precepts. The second thing you have to do is you have to search for it and you have to study it out. Right? You have to study it out. Man, I remember this week, my youngest son, he's got to do like 45 problems in three weeks, math, 45 math problems in three weeks, and all of this stuff. And he's like, Dad, how do I do this? And I'm like, oh, that's how you do it. And then he gets it wrong. And I'm like, no! Like, now, now I feel, and I told Lynn, like, I left the house. Like, I'm like, I, I, I got to go get this done. I'm going to leave. You can handle this. You're the teacher. You're actually a teacher. You handle this. Right? <laughs> don't, men, don't do that. That wasn't good. But I left, and I'm like, I got to go. I got to go do something else. And, and um, I couldn't get it. I could not understand my son's homework whatsoever. And I felt two things. And they're horrible. I felt powerless because I couldn't do it. And he's in sixth grade. And I, too, I felt stupid. Have you ever felt powerless and stupid at the same time? Yes. Oh, it's aggravating. You feel like you're worthless. And I said, here's the problem. He's like, we got to find the variable in this equation. And I'm like, how are they defining variable? Because the way I understood variable and the way apparently they're defining it are two different things. Bring me a married couple and I can find the variable. I can dig sort through the issue and I can find you the variable. But give me numbers? What is a variable? Right? I'm just not wired for that. Give me relationships and spirituality and, and psychology and I can find you the variable. I can dig in there and get to the root of the issue. I can't get to the square root of whatever x over 4 squared is. I don't understand that. I felt stupid and powerless. And I literally said to my wife and to my son, how are they defining these words in this story problem? I don't know. I don't know. And you know what happened? I had to study it out. I had to study. I had to... Okay, Jesus, Jesus, I don't know if you got the wheel or I got the wheel. I don't care right now. Get me out of the car. I'm done with this. I need you to help. And sometimes in life, it's not going to be your child's math problem. All right? Sometimes in life, it's going to be a boss problem. Sometimes it's going to be an emotional problem. Sometimes it's going to be social media drama. I'm back at junior high recess drama in social media. Sometimes your problem isn't going to be the math problem. Sometimes the problem is going to be something else. 
And you're going to feel stupid and powerless. And so you're going to have to go to the one that has all wisdom and all knowledge and can perceive all things to help give you some intelligence and what to do. Right? Yes. Absolutely. So, number one, our first confession today is this. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. Confession number two today, and it's our final confession, it's this. I am protected from all harm and evil in Jesus' name. Can you say that with me? I am protected from all harm and evil in Jesus' name. Now, you got to get this. Otherwise, the devil is going to play with you. He's going to play with your mind. He's going to play with your emotions. He's going to play with your relationships. He's going to play with your kids. He's going to play with your spouse and your job. And everything that, that surrounds you, he's going to play with it until you get this down deep in your soul and say, you cannot toy with me. He will. He just will. King David, when he's being hunted, his, his son Absalom has taken over the throne and has basically kicked King David out and said, I'm in charge of the nation of Israel, Dad. Get out of here. And he drove his dad to the desert. And he routed up 10,000 troops of the Israeli army, and he sent them out after his dad, David, and said, kill him. Now, let me tell you something about age. This ain't the first time David's had to run from a king. And when you got some age, you got some experience, right? Don't listen. Don't mess with an old dude who's got experience. David ran from Saul for years. David knew how to run. David was a survivor. And sometimes when the devil comes at you, you got to say, boy, don't mess with me because I got some experience and you come messing with me, you're not going to appreciate it, right? We got we to, gotta, sometimes what you've been through is a thing that God is going to use to save your life again. And so 10,000 troops are chasing David through the desert. David's like, Psh, I was here as a teenager getting chased by Saul and the Israeli army. I don't care. Boy, I can do this all day long. It might be new to you, Absalom, because you're young, but to me, I've been around the block, right? Let me give it to you like this. Youth has a lot of energy. There's a lot of energy in youth. There's a lot of wisdom in age. And when you bring the two together, it's a dynamic force, right? You might have enough energy to sit there with the remote and flip, 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 but you need somebody with age to tell you what channel to go to. Otherwise, you're going to find something you shouldn't. We all work together in this thing called life, right? You can do the work, but you need somebody with age to come along and say, okay, now, this will work, this won't work. And so David is running from Absalom. Listen to what he says in Psalm chapter 3, 1 through 3. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Selah, which is just a... We really don't know what that word means. It's a musical term in Hebrew uh, for that day, and we don't know what it means. But Selah, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. 
you bestow glory on me and lift up my head. David says, I don't care if I'm in the presence of 10,000 men trying to kill me. You are a shield about me. You will guide me. You will protect me. You will look after me. And some of you are sitting here today. You have no business sitting here because you know full well that God has protected you from some things. That you should be dead. You should be in the hospital. You shouldn't be here. But God has protected you. You need to praise God right now for the next five seconds and thank God that you are sitting in that chair today. You know, I used to, growing up, my mom would always pray a hedge of protection about me, and I never understood that. Lord, pray a hedge of protection. I'm like, what, is the devil afraid of shrubs? What? Is he something like, whoa, my weakness, it's a shrub. How, do we, how did you know? Right? Whoa. But no. So I did some homework this, last, this past month. I started looking up, why do we say that? Where does that come from? Well, back in the day, when I mean back in the day, I mean like a thousand years ago, when you had your dwelling, they would put a hedge of shrubs 50 feet out from the house or from your dwelling or whatever, and they would let them grow up. And sometimes that hedge was just sticks piled up with shrubs around them, stones piled up with shrubs around them. And what would happen is that the snakes would not come into the dwelling, they would make their nest in the hedge so that they never invaded where you lived. Now, when the hedge was gone, the snakes would go out and they'd come into the house, they'd go wherever. What does the Bible say about Satan? It says he's like a serpent. He's like a snake. So when you pray for a hedge of protection... The snake will get comfortable out there, but Satan, you're not getting comfortable in my house. You can be comfortable out there, but you're not getting in the house. You're not getting where I live. You're not getting to my kids. You're not getting to my spouse. You're not getting to our ideas and our emotions and our jobs. You're not touching this. You stay out there. That's where the idea, this idea of praying for a hedge of protection comes from. Unfortunately, what happens in our day is that we become too protected. We get too protected. We don't leave our house. We, we want things to be safe and secure. And sometimes God doesn't call us to safety and security. He says, you go out and do my work and I'll protect you. I have news for you. Everybody you date ain't going to be your spouse. Everybody that smiles at you, they're not your friends. Every interview doesn't lead to a job. The world's not safe. Not, it's not going to be safe. But here's what I know, that if you're doing God's work, he promises protection. In Acts chapter 28, Paul is headed to Rome. They're shipwrecked on the island of Malta in the Mediterranean. He's like, I got to go to Rome. I got to tell the government about Jesus. I can't stay here. I have to go to Rome. And they're shipwrecked. So they're waiting for the Roman army to come pick them up. And while they're on the island, they decide to make a fire to keep them warm at night. And then we read this in Acts chapter 28, verses 3 through 6. It says this. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and 
as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. And when the islanders saw that the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook, off, shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing that nothing unusual happened to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Listen, there's going to be a snake that bites you in life. Oh, not a real snake. There's going to be a problem, I hope not a real snake, but there's going to be a problem that arises and bites you, and it may latch on for a very long time. God never said the snake wouldn't bite. He said, I promise protection. I don't know what happened to the snake's venom. I don't know if it went through his veins, got to his heart, and it just didn't do it, or if the, or the viper, they called it a viper, which is extremely deadly. I don't know what happened, but I know this. God said, not today, not this time. You see, and it's one thing when life bites you and it hangs on and the bitterness hangs on and the unforgiveness hangs on, the deception hangs on, the depression hangs on. It's one thing when that stuff bites and hangs on and you're private and you can cover it up and nobody knows about it. But this snake didn't bite Paul in private. It bit him in public. And when stuff about us all of a sudden goes public on social media and our friends, you know what they do? They do what this, this crowd did. They're just waiting. He's going to drop. Any minute he's going to drop. He can't handle this one. He's going to drop. Yeah, and you know how it is because you, you got some haters that are going to hate and they're going to want you to drop. They're just waiting for you to drop. Because, you know, they would just be walking around through life like this. Ah, oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. How's Bob doing? They really care about Bob. They want to see if Bob's still standing. But when God says no harm's going to come nigh your dwelling, and I've got a hedge of protection, it doesn't matter if life problem bites. The whole reason that God allows you to be bit, and then publicly everybody knows, it's not because of you. It's for his glory and his purpose so that they can see your faith in action when you're going through the storm. When you're going through the snake bite, they can go, whoa, 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 whoa. how come you're still standing? Now you have a testimony. You got no testimony if everything's private. You can't share God and show your faith if everything's private. But when they see it, they see him. They're like, how come you're still standing? How come you're still moving? How come you're still giving glory to God? How come you're still going to church? How come you're still reading your Bible? How come you're still hanging out with those Christian fanatics? God, I, God, God's done that. And, and you say, no, 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 you don't understand. Because of this, I don't got venom in my veins. I'm still walking. I'm still staying. You need to be protected from stuff that you don't even know about. I'm going to share with you a true story that happened in my life as we get ready to wrap this up. Lynn was pregnant with our first child, our oldest child. And I had catty corner from my cubicle was another lady who who dabbled in the occult and witchcraft, and she dabbled in it. And I had left early. I had a doctor's appointment that day or something, and I had left work early. And um, so I come back in the next morning. I show up earlier the next morning, and she 
is always there early. And she comes up and she says, hey. I said, what? She goes, I just want you to know, I took a hair from your cubicle and I took it home. And I did some incantations over you and your wife and your new baby. I'm like, all right. You can go back to your cubicle. And she goes, I just want you to know you're having a girl. I have news for you. We breed boys in the priest house. (laughs) But I want you to know something else. The voodoo that you use is no match for my Jehovah and my divine protector. And you can use all the spells and incantations you want on me and my family, and it's not going to matter. I didn't say it exactly like that, but I said pretty close to that. Because sometimes there are some things that people will use against you, or you don't even know the people that may be secretly be witches behind closed doors trying to put spells on your family, but because you're in Christ, you're protected. She may have never said a word to me. She wishes she hadn't now. I I promise you that. She just could not figure out how she was wrong. She'd never been wrong before. And I said, honey, it ain't you. It's the Holy Ghost and divine protection over my family that I pray for every day. And you can't touch us. And you want to know why this is the first time you're wrong? It's the first time you've messed with somebody who understood their identity in Jesus. And you won't touch us. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, verse 17, there is no weapon formed against me that will prosper. You gotta understand something, that in the process of God shielding you, there is a glory that comes. And it's the result of being alone with God. When you get alone with God and pray for protection for your family, for him to watch over your family, there is a glory that is around your family that other people see and other people notice. And will rise and be like, holy cow, what's going on? Holy cow, you're the first kid that I messed up. I didn't, it didn't work. You don't know who's out there trying to do stuff to you. But you do know a God who loves you and says, I will cause you to raise a hallelujah in the midst of your storm, no matter what comes. Let's stand up this morning. We're going to confess all 12 of these. We're going to read these 12 together. Number one, are you ready? I'm ready. I've been ready. All right, you ready? All right, here we go. Number one, I am fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. Number two, I act in audacious faith to change the world in my generation. I have no fear or anxiety. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I am able to fulfill the calling God has placed on my life. I am fully resourced to do everything God has called me to do. I have no insecurity because I see myself the way God sees me. I am a faithful spouse and a godly parent. Our family is blessed. I am completely whole, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Number nine, I am increasing in influence and favor for the kingdom of God. I am enabled to walk in the sacrificial love of Christ. 
Today's two. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision I make. I am protected from all harm and evil in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? All right, listen, we're going to sing as we close this out. I'm going to ask Steve and Bonnie to come down on this side. If I can ask Aaron and Lori to come down on this side. If you're here this morning and you're struggling with anything, it might be an emotional need, a mental need, physical need. Maybe it's a family member that needs Christ and you just want somebody to join hands with you and agree in prayer for them that they would come to know Jesus. Would you come down this morning as we close out in song?